Tracy. Hi, and I'm Faye, and welcome to this episode of More Better with Tracy and Faye. Hey, Tracy, have you ever been to a presentation where the slides are mostly bullet points and the speaker reads them? <laughs> Too many to count. I, I might have written a few of those presentations. <laughs> or how about those slides that have like a whole bunch of numbers? You can't actually see what number the speaker is talking to, but they're talking quite passionately about this one number and nobody knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, I love those. Or what about the slides with a bunch of bullet points, some obscure graph with text in like six point font, because that's what I want to read. And then a picture of something like maybe a cat wearing headphones, which is supposed to be a metaphor <laughs> for the data. <laughs> I love it. The dancing cat. Yeah. <laughs> so in my view, Presentations are one of the most poorly used communication channels. And, and frankly, they often suck. And common problems, like you said, like slides crammed with too much text or too much text formatting. So everything bold and underlined and different colors. So you have to look at everything. <laughs> yeah. And that poor audience has like no idea what's important. Um, they don't know where to look or even what to focus on. I'll also add too many images like memes, photos and icons all on one slide. Um, they make that slide messy. And my favorite, not enough white space. Oh, like poor white we space. We love white space. Yeah, because they've got too many fonts and too many colors and complicated charts and graphs. Like you get the picture, right? Yeah, totally. Um uh, you know, I've helped people over the years with their presentations. And one of the biggest hurdles is figuring out what to put on the slide, or even more importantly, what not to put on the slide. Slide decks are precious because they're often a time to showcase findings, knowledge, or prove a point. But I think people head into creating a presentation because they've been asked to present something by their leader without really knowing what they need to say on their slides. They start with the basic slide headings that they find in PowerPoint or, you know, other presentation software. And then they fill that space um, with stuff that they hope is right. And frankly, when it comes to communicating effectively, hope is not a strategy. It's not. <laughs> if no, only. It's not. No. If no, only. Not. Yeah. And, and creating slides for presentations, it's often an iterative process, meaning we count on things becoming clearer the more we work through it. You know, we throw all this stuff on these slides and then we kind of work our way through it, hoping it works out. And, and sometimes it does. But boy, it can take such a long time to get there that way. And I guess I'd mostly say trial and error is a super inefficient way to create presentation slides. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've been on projects where we actually create a project timeline for the slide deck to report on the actual project. Right? And that's okay. But, oh my God, I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. So, and we've all done that. And that, you know, and seriously, I don't know about you, but that project timeline for the deck can be four to six weeks from development to actual presentation. And it includes full teams of people working on the content throughout that time frame. That's, that's an expensive venture. Fortunately, you have a solution, right? I do. 
I do. It's a really good one too. And like all the tips and advice we share are more better. This approach to creating presentation slides, it's super easy to understand. It's easy to apply. In fact, when I first stumbled on this approach, I was blown away by its brilliance and its simplicity because I was asked to do a presentation on presentations to technical people. So before I went and launched into my own Tracy tips and tricks, I thought I went out and I researched what else is out there in the world? What are some of the great ideas around presentations? And I stumbled on this approach and um, I can't wait to share it today. But before I get into that, I want to clarify that what we're talking about in this episode is only about creating presentation slides that are intended to be presented by a person. They are an accompaniment to the person making the presentation. And when you present, the focus has to be on you, not your slides. And sometimes, oftentimes, we've all seen this, presentation decks are used for making a report. So they are intended to be read by their audience, not presented to them. But that's not what we're talking about today. For today's purpose, we are only talking about slides made to accompany a person doing a presentation. Sound good? Yeah, love it. Um, let's cover slide decks disguising as reports another time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> if you've ever asked yourself, what do I need to include on the slide and what don't I? Today's episode will help. And I'm going to introduce this approach to creating slides that, as I said, it's the smartest I've ever encountered with respect to presentation slides. And it's called the assertion evidence model. Michael Alley, an engineering professor at Penn State University, created the assertion evidence approach to help his engineering students when they were making presentations. Because Mr. Alley saw how difficult it was for these students to present this their work. They're very smart. They knew what they knew what their projects were, but they really were stuck on how to present it. So Mr. Alley, who is an accomplished writer in addition to being an engineer, developed this approach to help them. And it basically goes like this. Every heading on your slide is an assertion. The rest of the information on the slides is evidence that supports the assertion. That's it. That's it? Oh, okay. So every heading is an assertion, just as you say. The rest of the information is evidence. That sounds almost too simple. Tell me more. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. What are the most common headings that you see in slide presentations? Ah, hmm. executive summary, objective, uh, considerations, market size, marketing plan, budget, competitive analysis, current state, future state, recap, next steps, roadmap, the list goes on. And do those headings tell a story? <laughs> not, not really. Um, they're, they're more like, I would describe them more like labels on a soup can. Like it tells you what's inside, but that's about it. No insight, no storyline. Nice analogy. I like that. Now I want Cause, to. Because <laughs> these labels, they serve only one purpose. They only tell the audience, like you said, the kind of information they'll find on the slide, but it does nothing beyond that. So using the assertion evidence model, meaning that the headings become an assertion, not just a label, um, I'm going to apply that. So 
instead of a typical label, I'm going to make a specific assertion. So instead of a slide that would be called executive summary, the heading is actually going to say project Bluebird is on target to meet $1 million in savings. That's the assertion. The objective slide, rather than saying objective, the headline is $1 million in savings will be reinvested in our community. That's an assertion. Instead of a slide that says challenges, we're going to have a slide that has the headline saying three challenges are delaying launch until next year. So without putting a word, an image, or a graph on the rest of the slides, we've told a story. The story says Project Bluebird is on target to meet $1 million in savings. $1 million in savings will be reinvested in our community. Three challenges are delaying the launch until next year. That's a story, and we haven't put anything on the slide itself. I love that. I love how the assertion evidence model redefines how that heading or header space is used. I know I've always told um, my people that I've consulted with um, that if your audience is going to read something during your presentation, it's going to be that heading. Um, you and I have talked also about this, about how underused that space is. And it's a lot of real estate, like to be wasting on labels, soup labels, if you will, that serve no great purpose. They aren't doing a lot of heavy lifting. And just how you described it, it feels like the way the, the typical way of those labels and topics, it feels lazy to me. Exactly. And the internet and various apps and platforms are filled with endless templates for creating beautiful presentation slides. You know, back in the olden days when, you know, PowerPoint came out, they were only a handful of templates to use. And beyond that, you'd need a graphic designer or I would to make slides look good. And these days you don't. There are many ways that you can produce great looking slides without having, you know, graphic design knowledge. However, there's still one big, huge problem with those templates, which is they use those typical labels or topics in the header or heading of their slides. And like you said, those topics don't do much in terms of communicating. But the assertion evidence approach, it changes all that. It forces us to think about what is the message we want to send on each one of our slides that we are that we've included in our presentation. Yeah, I like that. Um, that totally makes sense. I think I know when when I always ask people when I'm always working with people on their presentations, one of the fir the first thing I ask is what is the point they want to make with each slide because I'm trying to get them to focus on the main message like or sometimes what we call, I don't know if it's a buzzword, the takeaway, right? So is assertion evidence similar to that kind of approach? It's not that it's different. It's that it gives us a structure to work within that makes it a lot easier to figure out what that message is because we know now that every header is an assertion and that assertion is our message. For example, let's say there's a slide on competitive analysis. And I have to decide what is the one thing that I want my audience to know about competitive analysis, because that is not going to be what's on the header of my slide. So then I'm going to decide, well, if my audience only remembers one thing about our competitive analysis, I want it to be this top three competitors control 56% of the market. That's an assertion, or maybe over 40% of our market is open to fresh competition. That's, those are two really strong assertions to put at the top of a slide discussing competitive analysis. So finding your main message for each slide might sound tricky, but it really isn't. 
The easiest way to find out what your assertion is for any slide is to ask yourself, what is the one thing I want my audience to know about this topic? I like that. I can see where forcing people to make an assertion in their slide heading can help them figure out or understand what their main message is. I'm not as well versed in the assertion evidence approach as you are, but it makes complete sense. I often ask people, you know, what is the main insight or, or opinion or claim to make on the slide so they can express that in the heading and that everything sort of supports that. Supports mm -hmm. that exactly. So now let's look at the other half of what the assertion evidence model presents, which is the evidence. That is everything else on your slide other than your heading. What's it going to be? So you've got your assertion heading. What else can go there? That would include data, facts, images, charts, graphs, anything that proves the assertion made in the heading. But not all of that all at once. What? <laughs> it's like... My cat with the headphones like that. And the, <laughs> the cat the with the headphones, the, the table, table with all the numbers, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. everything big. Yeah. Don't Aww. do that. Oh, okay. I might have done that. But I'm guilty as charged. Okay. Um, okay. So let's try an example. So mm -hmm. I have a three slide presentation example. I've given each slide an assertion heading. First slide, 80% of the team's workload is focused on urgent fixes. Second slide, urgent fixes have driven costs up and productivity down. Third slide, $5 million, a $5 million investment in people and tech is needed. So what do we include as evidence? Maybe not, not that cat with the headphones and the table. We want to conclude as little as possible. Make it efficient for your audience. Remember, every word, graphic, data point, formatting decision matters. So when we're talking about a slide presentation or a presentation slide, we're dealing with a really small space. So how do we choose? So how we choose to fill that space takes a lot of thought and careful determination. And remember, we're creating a presentation meant to be delivered to an audience as opposed to being distributed as a handout or a report. So we want the audience focused on the speaker. That's you and not reading the slide. For example, if you create an idea or create a, a presentation to pitch an idea and you're looking for funding, you want the audience focused on you, not trying to figure out your slides. Because when you're on because when you want your audience to listen to you and read and read your slides at the same time, you're asking them to multitask, which is really hard and virtually impossible. They're either going to listen to you or they're going to read, or worse, they're going to hop on their phone and tune out because it's just too hard for them to do both. So for you as the presenter and speaker, your slide must work together. And so it's easy for your audience to understand your key assertion and how it's backed up by your evidence. As we've said before, if people just read one thing, it's going to be the header. And if all the information is on the slide, then the speaker isn't necessary. That's you. You're necessary as the speaker because as we talked about before, you're the presentation. So let's go back to my pretend three slide example. Here's some of the evidence I would include um, for, for those slides, or for those headers. First, number one, 80% of the team's workload is focused on urgent fixes. Type of evidence I would use, maybe there's a simple chart that shows 
different types of work, call outs that show the categories or, you know, what, what was the timing or time frame for, for measuring that kind of work. Second slide, urgent fixes have driven up, have driven costs up and productivity down. Again, what could we put? Another simple chart showing maybe number of people moved from those projects to urgent work, or it could be another simple chart showing priority projects being deferred or delayed. Third slide, $5 million investment in people and tech is needed. So what do we show? We could show current funding model for current resources, showing maybe a, a shortfall or projected resources required and the cost of those projected resources. What do you think, Tracy? I think we're on the right track. Something that happens when we're using assertion evidence is that we build a story without realizing we're building a story because each of those headers is that assertion. If I create a 20 slide presentation using assertion evidence, all someone would have to do is read the headlines to get the story. And if they decide to read the slide, they'd learn about the main points that to support the story I've told through the headings. Now, going back a bit to the creator of this, Michael Alley, he said that the engineering students using assertion evidence gained far greater confidence in speaking about their projects because they understood the messages they wanted to send. A disorganized or uncertain speaker will never hold their audience. You know, these are the people who look back at the slides so they can remember what they're talking about, or they have so many points they want to make that nothing stands out. Or God forbid, this has happened, I'm sure it has with you, where I hear a speaker say, I know there's a lot on the slide, but I can get through it quickly. I'm like, man, if your information, if you have to get through it quickly, then it's not the right information. But if you're confident about your messages, if your slides aren't cluttered with information, um, if you make clear points you want your audience to remember, then you have a much better chance of holding your audience's attention and getting the outcome you're looking for. One challenge with using the assertion headings is that they can often be long, nature of the beast. However, research has proven that a phrase or a sentence heading is far more effective and far better retained than just a one or two word label. But the challenge does remain that a long headline can take up a lot of space on a slide, uh, typically longer than the space often in those templates that's provided for it. So, Faye, because you're way better at, at layout and design than I am, what can we do about that? <laughs> we can do, well, we can do a few things. So, that first draft, like we talked about in previous episodes, right? So draft your long assertion sentence. Uh, draft your long sentence assertion first, then will it down to its essence. Do that, you know. Put on your editing hat um, and 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 just whittle that. Like, what exactly do we want to convey to the audience? I think two lines are okay for a heading. Anything longer and it's too much and it just takes up more space. Now, typically. Slide layouts are titles on the top left with supporting information in the main space. That's fine because that's how slide templates are have always been designed since the 80s, I think. For the main section of your slide, use relevant imagery. Use a graphic, a photo, icons, and only use text minimally as a call out or a label, but not something to be read out loud by the speaker. 
you know, I'd encourage people to look at different slide layouts. A lot of organizations develop their own presentation templates for their employees to use. For me, in terms of principles, as long as it's consistent and clean, like don't, i.e. don't be afraid of the white space, your audience will be able to follow along. Consistency is key with all the small things like font, colors, white space, imagery, all, all the basics that we're going to talk about in a future episode. Um, those matter. But I think that when we, we look at slide layout, like what can we do? Again, I, I love the idea of having your headings express a story or express that story on its own. So let's like, I would devote a lot of energy towards that. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to comment though on one thing you said, which is that a, a heading shouldn't be longer than, than two lines. And I, in principle, I agree with that. But sometimes it could be that the one sentence assertion which is maybe a bit longer, is all that's needed on the slide with just a simple graphic. And in which case, it's not going to be there in that upper portion. Maybe it takes up a lot more of the slide. Because I think all slides don't need to have, you know, header, you know, assertion, evidence. It could be that the assertion is perhaps one big text line that takes up like a meme, and then a graphic or an image or maybe a singular number that's that's put out there. So it's it's playing with layout. And I think that assertion evidence allows for that to happen because of how much importance is being put on on that header space. Does that make sense? I like that. No, no, totally. I think I think that um it could be, you know, when I was talking about that, admittedly, I'm going back to like what the typical slide layout is, right? Like the header there, the subheader there, and I can already see like what what PowerPoint and other presentations serve up. That's the sort of like, and that's, that's what we've been brought up with really, right? That's what we've seen a million times. But what you're, what I hear you saying is that the assertion can be the big statement. Like maybe it's the big statement on the slide and that's all that that's needed because the speaker, again, the speaker is the presentation. The speaker is the one that's going to speak to that assertion or share whatever insights that, or evidence um, that support that assertion. So thank yeah, you. exactly. And it, it just depends on what is the nature of your presentation, what's your audience need, etc. But again, this is what we're talking about today are slides that we create to accompany, accompany, accompany <laughs> someone delivering a presentation. So if using one of your slides, you know, uh, 80% of the workforce focused on urgent fixes. Let's say that was my that was my slide and I'm presenting because I'm going in front of the people who will approve greater funding for me. And so let's say that is my header. That's a big header. It's a big assertion, but it's also in the case of this, this situation, it's a big problem. And maybe the only other thing on that slide is a big red 60% because maybe 60% is what the target is. And that this, this area, this department, they budgeted their, their year to be 60% spent on projects and 40% spent on urgent fixes as an example. But that's with assertion evidence, it, it, it requires a lot more upfront thinking. We're not just slapping all these things on a slide using our typical labels and then turning it into something that is, that is bite-sized and palatable. 
all the thinking happens before you start putting words on page. And I think that is one of the big differences with uh, taking an assertion evidence approach versus a more traditional approach to doing presentations. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Thanks. All right. So to recap, we're on the recap already. Uh, what, what we're talking about today and for you to take away about presentations. Number one, use the assertion evidence approach for your next presentation. It really, really works. If you are uncertain about it, based on us just blabbing about it, you can go to their website, assertion-evidence.com. Couldn't be simpler. All the information is there. That was, you can find it other places on the internet, but that is, that's the source. That's where it was first created. Go there. Ditch those traditional labels, those soup cans. I love that. I will never think of them any other way. And use your headings to say something meaningful. Use the body of your slide to highlight a minimum number of supporting points. Use text only when a graphic, an icon, will or a photo won't work. And remember, the focus of the presentation is you, not your slides. And that signals the end of our episode. Tell us what you think through the comments. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow, subscribe to our podcasts on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And like the kids say, smash that like button if you want to be notified for our uh, upcoming episodes. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to